Hello, and welcome to Career Talk with OG, where we empower you so opportunities come to you. Through our series of podcasts, we will give you relevant, practical, actionable career tips and strategies. We believe that through the act of storytelling, we can deliver relatable and authentic talks that allow listeners to gain real-world insight into the career journeys of industry professionals. With our very own Sasson, we bring to you Career Talk with OG. I'm going to be talking today uh, on, I'm going to give you some job search strategies uh, to uh, obviously help you find uh, employment. And um, just like Moises says, go ahead and uh, submit your questions throughout my talk. I will leave some time at the end. Uh, to answer your questions. If for whatever reason we run out of time, I will also give you my contact information. And then of course, you can also connect with me on LinkedIn uh, as well. So um, just a quick agenda here. So I'm gonna be talking three things first, okay? Number one, I'm gonna be talking about what I call uh, embracing fear. Listen, I don't care if it's COVID-19 or whatever time, anytime we lose our job, it's scary. I remember losing my job many times. Okay, and uh, and and but but uh, uh, despite it being scary, we have to figure out how to embrace that fear. <laughs> Obviously, it's an acronym, so I'm going to explain uh, uh, what that means. Number two, there is always a silver lining, and I'm going to walk you through an exercise to help you identify uh, some of that silver lining. And then lastly. I will end it with uh, giving you some job search uh, strategies. Okay, before I get in, get into it, let me share a little bit more about my career journey because I will be the first to admit that some of the things, some of the job search strategies that I'm going to give you are going to be different from what other people typically share with you. And um, the reason why they're going to be different is because I'm coming from my own personal experiences, what's worked and what hasn't worked. And so if you understand my journey, then you're going to understand my madness. Okay. So let's get into it here. Number one, I've had had to reinvent myself 11 times. I'm 51 years old. I went to college, do the math. Okay. I've been out in the workforce for just under 30 years. That means every whatever, those of you that are math whizzes, every two and a half, three years, I've had to reinvent myself. I worked in the tech industry for 12 years for startups. If you know anything about the startup industry, you know that most of them go out of business. If they do get acquired and they keep anyone on the team, usually it's the, the engineers or software developers. I was in sales. Sales and marketing were the first to get the boot. I, however, the most, even though I transitioned quite a bit, the most that I have ever been uh, without a job has been six weeks because I learned early on how to network and tap into my relationships and help me find my next opportunity. Also, I have been hired without zero work experience. One of the things that I find from those of us that are 40, I mean, really anyone, anyone, okay, but especially those of us that are 40 and older, oftentimes we, you know, we, we stick with the, in the industry or sector that we've been doing it. Yes, some of it is because we really love it, we're passionate, 
But I also find that some of us stick to that uh, same industry because that's all we know how to do. And we feel like I have no experience doing something else. Folks, I got sick and tired, okay, of getting the boot when I worked, like I said, in the tech industry. A good friend of mine called me up one day and he's like, Oscar, we have a chamber CEO position. He was on the board of the local chamber of commerce. I'm like, what the heck does the chamber of commerce do? Like most of you, right? I didn't know, I just heard the chamber of commerce, but I had no idea what they did. Anyways, he convinced me to go ahead and apply. My competition had 25 years of chamber experience, was the interim chamber CEO, and the board loved her. Like, I have a better chance of, of winning the lottery this Saturday than of having gotten hired. And I got hired, folks. I've also been in situations where positions have been created for me. After almost seven years of working at the chamber, again, I decided that I wanted to try something else. LinkedIn, okay? Lately, they've been in the news, okay? They laid off just this week about 1,000 folks. But back then, LinkedIn uh, uh, created a position for me, and they and they reached out and like, hey, Oscar, you know, we got the record proof. Are you are you interested? And I'm like, heck yeah, sign me up. It was a it was a one year contract gig, working 20 25 hours a week, uh, and getting paid almost two and a half times more than I was getting paid working 60 70 hours as the head of the chamber. Like, who doesn't want to work less and get paid a lot more? I've also been in situations where employers have recruited me. Again, you know, just kind of looking here on the screen, we're kind of around, you know, we're peers here. You remember back in the day, the 80s and 90s headhunters? Okay, that was a traditional headhunter role where, you know, like some of you probably have, were headhunted in the past. You were loving what you're doing and then the headhunter calls you, right? They're bugging you. That's how we would treat the headhunters. And then they would try to convince us to go and, and, and work. Folks, isn't that an amazing, to be in that amazing situation where, you know, an employer is coming to you? Now, I'm not telling you this to brag, folks, okay? I'm just telling you because this is part of my career journey. But I also want to tell you some of the obstacles that I've had to overcome, okay? Number one, English is, is my second language. Yeah, I know. Some people are like, what, Oscar? But you speak English so well. Well, of course, because I've learned it when I was in kindergarten, okay? So obviously, okay, I've had plenty of years of practice, Okay. I was on the free and reduced lunch program, low income, all right? Had to overcome some of that. I go off to from high school, I did well in English classes, and then all of a sudden I go to UC Berkeley and somehow, you know, they tell me that my English, my writing and my, my speaking skills suck and they put me in uh, these remedial uh, English class uh, as well. My parents, my dad, first grade education, my mom, um, uh, middle school education. Never spoke English, because like I said, the minute uh, I learned how to speak English in, in kindergarten, I became their translator until they passed away about almost five years ago, right? I didn't come, I didn't, no one ever sat down. My parents never sat down with me at the, coffee, at the dinner table, like, hey son, let's talk about how to interview for that job now that you graduated from college, okay? Let us teach you. What the heck? My dad could teach me how to you know, wash pots and pans because he was a dishwasher. My mom could teach me how to clean my room because she worked in housekeeping. And here's the other thing. My natural personality is an introvert. I know most of you are probably shocked. You're like, what the heck, Oscar, seriously? Because most of us have this misperception that if we do any public speaking, we must be an extrovert. No, folks, that's not true. It's just that I didn't like being that way introvert. And so it's taken me 25 years of puking, of having butterflies in my stomach, even today as I'm talking to you. Okay, it's even worse talking to camera because I can't even see you, really. Some of you even have your cameras turned off. 
okay? And so, yeah, I tell you this because, see, some of you feel like, oh my gosh, I can't do this because of this. Listen, folks, every, every reason that you feel you can't do something because you're not techie, because this, because age discrimination, all that. Listen, there are a lot of isms going on. I have experienced them, okay? But I also realized, okay, that we can overcome those obstacles. Let's talk about embracing fear, okay? Think about this, folks. If your house was on fire right now, you would obviously run out of the house for safety. Common sense, right? Call 911, and what do the firefighters do? They run into the burning building. Think about this, okay? You and I are running away from that danger, because you know fear, safety, but firefighters are running into that burning building. Why? Because they've learned how to embrace fear. So let's talk about what I mean by embracing fear, okay? Number one, folks, you need to be flexible, okay? Some of you, your industries are a dinosaur, okay? Listen, remember back in the day, BlackBerry? Some of you probably owned a BlackBerry and you know, you know, were so proud and you know, showcased it because back then BlackBerry was a status symbol. Where's BlackBerry today, right? You need to be flexible and maybe that industry that you wanna go into no longer exists. And so you have to you know, find some others. Speaking of uh, being flexible, embrace the change, folks. There's many changes that are happening out there right now and have been. One of them that comes to top of mind is right now, folks, there are five generations in the workforce. Okay, the youngest one is uh, my, my daughter's age, the 23-year-olds, the, the Gen Zs, and you know, millennials, Gen X, et cetera, et cetera, baby boomers and so forth, all right? They're in there. We have to be willing to embrace that diversity of ages, of generations, et cetera, that are happening. One of the things that I hear sometimes from older professionals such as ourselves is like, oh, Oscar, you know, I'm talking to that recruiter, you know, a 35-year-old, you know, what do they know about this? Hey, maybe you're right. Maybe they don't know as much about the industry as you do. But can I tell you something, Fred? Don't disrespect them. Oh. Don't disrespect them. Because like it or not, they're in the workforce. I have people, young professionals, high schools, where about four or five years ago, I did workshops for high school kids that now have graduated from college or in the, in the workforce, and they love my style. We connected on LinkedIn, and they recommended me for opportunities. Imagine if I was a jerk to those high school kids. Next, aspire, folks, okay? Always be aspiring. Oh my gosh, if one of the things, listen, I know getting laid off, right? It's a punch in the gut. It takes, it, it hurts our self-image, our ego, et cetera. I get it. But listen, once you've taken time to kind of like caress those wounds, you know, and, and so forth, like never quit dreaming, folks. Listen, I'm going to live to 150 years old, okay? And when they bury me, I'm still going to be kicking in that casket, all right? Why? Because I have dreams and goals and aspirations. Like, don't you ever send me a message tomorrow on a Friday, TGIF. Like, since when do I let my, my the day of the week dictate my attitude? I'm just as fired up on Monday as I am on Friday. I'm just as pissed off on Friday as I am uh, on Monday. I do not let the day of the week dictate my attitude because I have dreams and aspirations. And then lastly, folks, 
focus on the results. Some of you have applied to 50, 100 jobs online and you've gotten goose eggs to show. Folks, how many times do you need to bang your head up against the wall to realize that's not a door? Look to your left, there's a door. How about turning that door handle and walking through it? Focus on the results. That's what I mean by embracing fear, folks. Be flexible, embrace change, aspire, and focus on the results. All right, let's talk about the silver lining here, okay? Listen, we all go through crap. Crap stinks, but crap is also fertilizer. Isn't manure uh, crap, isn't it fertilizer? Of course it is. How we react to the challenges in life is our choice. I could wallow in my misery because of all the challenges and I didn't even scratch the surface, okay? But you know what? I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna turn all that crap in my life into fertilizer and I'm gonna keep kicking some butt. So here are some things that I encourage you to do. I'm gonna walk you through an, uh, a series of exercises to help you identify the fertilizer. And I'm gonna tell you something, okay? I highly, highly encourage you to do this exercise in the next 24, no more than 48 hours. Because I'm gonna also tell you this, if you do not do it within the next 48 hours, you're not gonna do it. So number one, I want you to grab a blank piece of paper or computer screen or whatever, you know, your cell phone, whatever it is that you want. And I want you to do, make, make a, an inventory of all the skills that you have. I don't care if, you're, if you consider yourself good at those skills or not, just make a list, all right? Just in, a, a dump of all the skills. Then once you've written all those skills down, go back, to that list and I want you to circle the top 10 skills that you are good at and, and I double, quadruple, whatever, underline the word and, you love to do. Budgeting, I can do budgeting, I hate budgeting. So guess what, I'm not gonna circle budgeting, okay? So it has to be things that you are good at and you love doing. Next, grab a blank piece of paper three columns on the left you're going to label it life experience in the middle feelings and then on the right skills and i want you to next think back of your, some of your life experiences typically it's kind of you know unpleasant you know challenging situations and this is what i want you to do and i'm going to use myself as an example so when i was a kid uh 11 years old in fifth grade Mexico, my dad was a butcher, and one day he's like, hey, son, I want you to get the bucket knives, you know, and towels, and I'm like, what the heck are we going to do? And that was a start for about seven years, six, seven years of going to the local slaughterhouse, and I'm in Mountain View, so we'd go to Half Moon Bay, Gilroy, you know, um, uh, Morgan Hill, etc., and we would slaughter a pig, cow, goat, and we would sell fresh meat, totally illegal, no health permit, my parents got busted by the health department, the cops, and all that type of stuff, and for me, as an 11-year-old, I was, hated doing that, helping my parents. I was embarrassed, okay? Because that's what you would write down here on the feelings, embarrassment. My friends, all of a sudden, I disappeared. Hey, Oscar, how come you're not hanging out with us on weekends? Oh, I'm busy. Doing what? I I'm just busy. No, I was embarrassed to tell them that I was cleaning, you know, cow guts and all that type of stuff. But when I look back at the skill that I learned from that experience as a young kid, a work ethic. What are most 11 year olds, what were most of you doing at 11 years old back in the day? Because there was no YouTube, 
Saturday morning cartoons. See, while most of you were sleeping in, watching your Saturday morning cartoons, my little rear end at 11 a.m. at 7 a.m. was helping my parents. I was, I learned how to work hard, folks. Next, I told you I was in remedial English class at UC Berkeley. How did I feel? Inferior, because all I saw was 30,000 brains with two legs and I certainly was not one of those. Imposter syndrome. But I learned how to be coachable because you know what? I'm not gonna give up. So yeah, I went to my professor, I went to a tutor, I went to my uh, floor mates, my roommate. I mean, whoever it is, I could get help coachable. And see, that's one of the things too that I find those of us that are 40 and older, it's like some of us are mentors to young professionals. Well, let me ask you this, who's your mentor? And are you coachable? Or do you know it all? Because I don't know it all. I told you I worked at startups, a lot of, lot of getting laid off. My family was young uh, at the time, young kids and so forth. I felt anxiety. But what is the skill that I learned? Networking. I co-founded a nonprofit with family and friends, total volunteer base. On top of my job and kids being little, how did I feel? I felt like I had no time to be helping other people. Like I felt like I was my biggest charity. What the heck am I doing helping other people? But I learned how to uh, speak in public. And then lastly, I told you about the Chamber of Commerce, right? I felt unqualified, but one of the skills that I learned, collaboration. So I want you to go through this exercise here to help you identify some of the positive life lessons. Next, to help you find that passion, same thing. Another blank piece of paper, three columns. On the left, you're gonna write the top 10 skills. In the middle, your values, your personal values, and your purpose. And then I want you, the last thing I want you to do in, in this particular exercise is to do kind of a mapping of the three. And again, let me use myself as an example. As an introvert, I listen more than I speak. I realize God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason, and I use it proportionally, okay? I shut up more and I listen more. What is one of the values that I have? Building relationships. What's my purpose? I always like to create win-win situations. Folks, I am not getting paid to do this talk, okay? I'm not, nor have I ever gotten paid whenever I've done, and that's okay. Why? Because I love helping other people. I love building relationships. And I know down the road, you know, I plant some good seeds and maybe some of you might recommend, it, recommend me later on down the road. Also, when you do this mapping folks, it's gonna help you when you're doing an informational interview and they ask, or an actual interview and they ask you, hey Fred, you know, so why do you like programming? And you can boom, bring it all together. Instead of like most of us fumble and give the generic answer. Uh, well, I've been doing it for a long time and like I'm really good at, you know, Python. Okay, whatever. All right, let's get into some job search strategies uh, here, okay? I know most of you see, most of you, this is what you guys want. But the reality is, folks, if you're not right on the inside, emotionally, if you don't know your purpose, you're going to fizzle out like a 4th of July firework. Three seconds. All right, number one. I want you to get your why statement down. What do I mean by that? When I ask most people, hey, what do you do? They always answer most of the time with like their job title. I'm a network engineer. Like, how is that differentiating yourself from other people, other network engineers? You're not. What if instead you answered it like this? Hey, so what do you do? You know, uh, John, oh, I ensure users have 24 seven access 
to their information. I'm like, wow, okay, that's different. First of all, because the stereotype of most network engineers is, is that they're, they're, they're in, uh, introverts or quiet or shy. And when you answer it like this, even someone, a non-techie knucklehead like Oscar Garcia, I can understand what the heck you're talking about. And it's memorable, it's different. And it's about the other person, not about you. See, when you ask me, Oscar, what do you do? I empower you so opportunities come to you. That's my why. Now, I do a complete different talk on personal branding and all that type of stuff. We're getting into, uh, into it. That's not what this talk is about. I just want to give you a high level here. Number two, get your career story down, folks, okay? You need to change the narrative. On the left, it's the perception that's, that oftentimes the industry has uh, about us, especially our, uh, you know, as we get older, right? And on the right, it's the new narrative. So for example, right, industry, you lack tech skills, Oscar, why? Because even if those of you, listen, back in the day, I remember Cisco, Intel, uh, AMD, uh, Red Hat. How about, you guys remember Silicon Graphics? Right, yeah, those were the tech darlings back then. And what, where are they today? Some of them don't even exist anymore. Or if they do, they're just, you know, a pimple on an uh, elephant. But, you know, as far as how big they are, they're, right? And, and, and those of you that have been working in some of these awesome companies, the Cisco's, et cetera, when you try to transition into a new tech company, they view you as a dinosaur. And so you need to change the narrative in terms of maybe talking about your leadership skills, you know, or some of your exceptional soft skills, because some of these young knuckleheads that, you know, that are in tech, I think that they know it all, they, they lack that experience of those, that leadership, et cetera, and so forth. Also, here's another one, high salary expectations, right? Most employees think, oh my gosh, you know, since you've been working out 20, 25, 30 years, oh my gosh, right? No, like change it, like compensate me for my experience. You know, it's amazing today, folks, how as a 51 year old, no one, you know, none of the opportunities, no one ever questions me about my high salary expectations. You know what they, they, they value? It's the experience and the results that I bring. How about this one? I'm willing to embrace new ideas, right? No, I'm innovative and creative. And you need to show how it is that you are, okay? Innovative and, and creative. Unable to relate. As I told you, there are five generations in, in the workforce. Figure this out, okay? How to uh, be able to, to relate uh, to, to a variety of people. Lacks passion. Energetic and visionary. Listen, folks, this is, not, this is not my gig, but if I was running this show, I would make all of you turn your cameras on. Why? Because I want to make sure to feel how, you know, you are as a person, your energy. Listen, you might not like my style, and that's fine, because statistics say I'm probably only going to relate to about 2% of you. That's fine. But you're not going to forget my energy and passion. Now, avoid these kind of words, folks. Stop putting on your resume. Stop putting on your LinkedIn profile. Results-driven, experienced, self-motivated, detail-oriented, you know, team player. Those, these are all generic words that everyone and their grandmother has been saying this since, you know, the English language was invented. How is this different? How does this differentiate you? It doesn't. Here's how I recommend that you structure your career story. Okay, number one, yes, we, especially if you, like myself, been out in the workforce for a number of years, right? We've been doing a lot of things. So guess what? You're going to need to um, adapt your story 
to the situation, the opportunity, the person that you're talking to. So you're going to make it relevant. I want you to picture this, okay? If your cupboards are empty and your fridge is empty, meaning you have no food, you don't have very many options of what you're going to cook. So, but if you go grocery shopping and fill the fridge and your cupboards, and then this evening you open it up, you're like, ah, oh, man, I can cook pasta, I can cook tacos, whatever, right? There's options. That's what I mean. Like, quit looking at the fact that, oh my gosh, Oscar, I've done so much. No, dude, like you have your cupboards full. What you need to learn is how to adapt your story to the situation. Number two, talk about your personality traits. If you don't know what those are, ask some of the folks here on ProMatch. I'm sure they've already come uh, and started to judge you, okay? Number three, this is a time for you to list your accomplishments and your rewards when you're talking about your career story. This is not the time to be humble, okay? No, this is the time for you to let the world know how much of a badass you are, okay? Number four, be authentic. Folks, be real, okay? At the end of the day, it's culture, right? Company, every company has a company culture and, and you have your values. There has to be a match. I've been in situations where I took a job just for a paycheck and six weeks into it, I left the company. I made a mistake. And then lastly, like I told you, know your why. Here's an example of bringing it all together. I'm not going to read the whole thing. You know, if you follow me or connect with me on LinkedIn, you can see it. But on my LinkedIn profile, I'm like, as Chief Empowerment Officer of Aspida, I empower you so opportunities come to you. Bam, there's my why right up front, okay? I'm a possibility thinker, a visionary leader, and a successful social entrepreneur. I believe in relationship first, business second. And then I go into my experience. You see, I'm talking about these things that I just told you earlier, folks. Number three inform your network quit being shy right now or or feeling like oh my gosh you know like getting laid off you know it, it's 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 a, like a scarlet letter no folks everyone is getting laid off linkedin i just told you i mean when i worked there you know and some of these you just mark my word okay the same thing that happened to the cisco's intel is going to happen to the facebook's the google's etc one day they're going to be dinosaur companies to work for and these people are going to also get laid off no one is ever immune from layoffs so don't be ashamed of notifying your network i don't care if you put a post on linkedin i don't care if you post it on social media i don't care if you text people whatever but let people know because how are they supposed to know to be able to keep an eye out for an opportunity for you if you don't tell them that you're looking number four build and nourish relationships folks this is one of the things that many of us once we find a job we get comfortable and we stop building relationships and then we come up with all these excuses oh you know i just got married oh my kids are little oh you know my kids are this or that oh i'm traveling no bottom line is you blew it okay here's some things that you can do to build relationships number one folks how hard is it to endorse someone's skills on LinkedIn? How hard is it, right, to say something on Facebook or Instagram or whatever platform it is? How about writing a recommendation for someone? Listen, folks, I don't know how much longer you need to be in this program. If you haven't done so, why have you not written a, a recommendation on LinkedIn for Vinny or Moises? They give a lot to you. Like, seriously, you know, if you don't do that, you know what that tells me about you? You're selfish. Number three, how about making introductions? 
Some of you have people in your network that maybe you don't qualify for that opportunity, but make that. This week alone, I made two introductions to people in my network. I don't give a rip if they do business or not. I just did the introduction and I don't expect anything in return. Number four, how about just checking in with someone? This is especially during COVID-19, it's an excellent time to just check in with people. Right? Hey, how you doing? Hope you and your family are safe and healthy. Just thinking about you. Sometimes I just text people, right? Message them, hey, just, just thinking about you. I was on a webinar yesterday for San Jose City College and I was scrolling just like right now, how you can see who's on there. I was just scrolling and there was about like six or seven people that I, we had not spoken to in a long time. And I'm like, hey, oh my gosh, great to see you here on the webinar. In fact, one of those persons just emailed me before I got on this webinar and she's like, hey, Oscar, let me know what uh, your schedule for next week. We'd like to catch up. I don't know where that goes. I have no expectations, but it is part of building and nourishing relationships. And then lastly, folks, how about highlighting someone on your network? LinkedIn has this feature called kudos that you can do. Some of you, right, like are on this committee of, you know, whatever you call it, the tech committee or whatever, you know, there's a bunch of committees. How about giving each other some kudos? Number five, create a target list, folks. Quit throwing a bunch of mud up against the wall, hoping something sticks. No, listen, okay. I encourage you, okay, to stop applying for jobs online. Put together a list of 10 to 20 companies that you have really want to work for, you research them. Listen, I want you to pretend, treat those 10 to 20 companies like your eHarmony account, okay? Where you are being selective and you're gonna screen out those people just like you do on eHarmony, right? You don't just go out, I, would be, I don't know, maybe there are some of you just, you know, go on and whatever date. But I want you to screen the heck out of these 10 to 20 companies and make sure that they match your values. You look at um, analysts, you know, reports, the CEO giving talks on maybe on YouTube, et cetera, and so forth. And you're like, you know what? These are the companies that I really want to go after. Number six, start then conducting some informational interviews. Maybe in some cases you identify, gosh, you know, someone in your network actually works there at that, uh, at that company. Let me reach out to them. I want to get a feel, you know, what's it like working there? How did they get the job, et cetera, and so forth. Or you're looking to make a career change. Here's an outline of, of an informational interview. Obviously, you email them or call them or message them through LinkedIn or however it is that you reach out to them. Again, research the contact and the company. And be ready with your why pitch, because oftentimes they're going to ask you, hey, Oscar, so what are you looking for, et cetera. And the more you come across on point, on target, the more you're going to stand out, right? Because most people come across wishy-washy. Oh, I don't know what I want, whatever. Be positive. Listen, this is a safe environment pro match. I love what the organization does because it really does provide you that safe environment where you can shed some tears you can jump for joy we can clap for the success of other people etc but the minute you log off this webinar with ProMatch and you start talking to someone else be positive because i don't know you and if my first impression of you is hey oscar you know i'm looking for this listen i don't recommend eors okay and then lastly be ready to answer any questions. Number seven, 
as you are doing your job search, okay, and, and targeting these companies, I want you to start putting together your hiring dream team. This is what I mean. You're going to interact with a ton of people right at a company. It could be a friend. It could be, you know, obviously a recruiter, or the hiring manager. Obviously, see, normally when we think of uh, connecting, most of us put our eggs in one basket, one person. It's either the recruiter or kind of like the hiring manager. And we, we give, especially the recruiter, so much power, so much control over our, our career future and our prospects. Don't do that, folks, okay? Be building that team. Maybe there's a champion. Maybe, you know, you reached out to um, another person that could be potentially your coworker and they like you. Right, they could be your champion. It's like my friend uh, who was on the board became my champion as I was going through the interview process. Close friend, it's obvious, okay? If you have a close friend that works at that company or in the industry, obviously. An influencer, you know an influencer could even be the executive assistant. See, most of you ignore the executive assistant. You're like, oh, thank you very much. No, because you know what? That oftentimes, and I tell you from personal experience, okay? I found executive assistants where they influenced my decision. Hey, Oscar, you know what? So-and-so walked in and they, they looked like this or they said this. And I don't think they were. And I, hmm, I already planted kind of like this seed, right? And yeah, so this is what I mean by putting together your dream team. And really, folks, what I'm trying to tell you is follow the ABC. Always be connecting with people. Always be connecting with people. Number eight, I want you to have an entrepreneur mindset. No, I'm not talking about, you know, I mean, if you want to start your own consulting business or whatever, that's fine. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that when you approach an opportunity, these 10 to 20 companies out there that you're targeting, like I told you that you are researching the heck out of those companies and that you put together what is called a value proposition proposal. The truth is folks, I don't even remember the last time that I submitted a resume. It's probably been over 10 years. But what I have submitted is value proposition proposals because what I do is I research the company and I end up putting together a 90-day plan of what I, the problem is, what is the solution, and what I'm going to do in the first 30, the first 60, and the first 90 days to address that. And you know what? People have been impressed They're like oh my gosh because they realize like this guy gets us he understands us and they have something concrete where it's like oh my gosh this guy's like amazing and see most of you i'm going to tell you to do this and you're not going to do it you're going to continue to submit your resume in fact before i logged on you know to most of you i overheard a conversation from some of you about oh the resume you know in the ats system and the kanban system like who gives a rip about the resume if you're submitting resume can i tell you something you're going into the same pile as everyone else that's doing but when you put together a value proposition proposal guess what no one hardly anyone is doing this so therefore that's why oscar garcia at 51 years old gets opportunities next video resume and again i'm saying something right now i know most of you in here on this call okay just good peers most of you are like oh my gosh seriously oscar be in front of the camera there's a reason why I had my camera off, Oscar, and I turned it on now that you said something, okay? Because most of us, I get it, we didn't grow up with this technology, okay? I get it, but I'm gonna tell you something too, folks, okay? LinkedIn 
has a feature now for employers where they can request a video introduction from you because it's virtual. So therefore, if they want to get a sense for who you are, your personality, listen, you could be the smartest person on the planet, but also be a, the biggest jerk and they're not going to hire you. So here's some things that you can do to submit to create a video resume. Number one, keep it short, 60 to 90 seconds. Number two, talk about who you are, what you do, why you do what you do, and then what is your call to action? What do you want them to do with that video resume? Do, do you want them to email you? Do, they want to, do you want them to connect with you on social media, whatever? Number three, the nice thing about creating video resumes, it's not a one-time deal. You can uh, re-record that video a gazillion times. I remember some of my first videos that I did 17 times, 18 times, 22 times re-recording it, okay? So practice, practice, practice. Number four, when you upload the video, whether it's on LinkedIn, social media, maybe some of you might have your own um, uh, 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 personal website or, or YouTube, whatever, make sure if it's on, for example, like LinkedIn, that you tag whether it's a recruiter, a hiring manager, or maybe someone in your, in your network that can reshare your video to increase that visibility. And then also use the appropriate hashtags, okay, for your industry, et cetera, and so forth. And lastly, of course, share it everywhere. I would create an email signature and I would put a link, I would have a you know, hyperlink to my LinkedIn profile and then a link uh, to my uh, video resume in my email signature. Also folks, be creative. I mean, one of the cool things about Zoom, okay? Like you notice my background, I love playing around with my background, okay? But this is an example, like if I wanted to apply uh, to a position in Apple, that's what I would do. I would find a picture like I did of the background with Apple products, do my little video resume about Apple, totally customize it, bam, there it goes. Right, what am I gonna do? Like just have like my living room background? No, or what am I gonna do? Have Android products on the back? No, I'm gonna customize it. This is different folks. See, I'm telling you these things that are different and most of you again, are not gonna do it because Oscar, I'm not a techie, Oscar, I'm not this. Well, listen Fred, I'm not a mechanic, but I know how to drive a car, okay? Like what's your next excuse? Number nine, virtual interviews. Okay, let me give you some, some tips on virtual interviews. Obviously, again, practice, practice, practice. One of the cool things about Zoom is you can get a free Zoom account, gives you 40 minutes. Hey, listen, get it, okay? Reach out to your buddies, maybe some of your pro match uh, colleagues and like, hey, let's practice, you know, doing the Zoom, you know, virtual interview because obviously the more you practice, the more comfortable. You guys, I've been, I created during the uh, pandemic an online training platform. You can go back and look at my first two webinars. I sucked. Number two, test the equipment, the applications. There's a reason why we log in a few minutes before because we want to test. Vinny and Moises, they were emailing me. Like we probably have like 30 emails going back and forth about do this, do that, blah, blah, et cetera, and so forth. Right? Because you always want to, you just never know. Logistics matter, right? Like, okay, make sure you take care of that. Lighting is critical. I have a, a, a ring, a light ring. Uh, that uh, uh, it, it just makes it so much uh, much better with with the, the lighting your background too as well like you know I've seen some where I mean it, it, people are, are more 
acceptable right now, given that most of us, you know, are working from home or at home, et cetera, and so forth. You know, I've seen the cat, the dog, you know, a kid walking through, that's, that's fine. But I don't know. I mean, you still want to make sure that your background uh, is appropriate. Focus on the camera. If you have to, one trick that I've seen is, is that a cutout of like a face and they put it actually right where the camera is. And so it just kind of gets you uh, focused to looking uh, on, on the camera. Obviously, take some notes. And then lastly, super important, many of us blow it and that is we don't take, uh, we don't follow up. Very important following up. Okay, lastly, and then we'll open it up to some questions. Folks, you need to have a realist, realistic effort uh, put in, excuse me, a realistic effort in your job search. About six weeks ago, I was talking to a, a buddy of mine. He reached out to me and he's like, hey, Oscar, you know what? Like, I've been doing what you told me, you know, like building my network and so forth. And uh, I reached out to like a dozen people and um, only like two of them responded. Like they accepted my invitation to connect on LinkedIn and so forth. And I'm like, how many people did you reach out to? He's like 12. I'm like, you're actually getting the results because what the challenge is you need to reach out to more people. All right, and let me give you two scenarios. The first scenario is, let me set it up here for you. First of all, let's say your goal is to get two offers and your ratio from final round interview to getting an offer is 50%, okay? So 50% of the time that you make it to the final round, you get a job offer. Now. The 20% comes into play in that from first round interview to final round, you have a 20% success rate. So that means you need 20 first round interviews in order to get four final round interviews, which lead to two job offers. How many informational interviews do you need to do? 100. 100 to 20 for two. Follow the math. How many people do you need to reach out to then? Okay. You, you need to email, message, whatever, LinkedIn, however it is you to 500 people. That's a lot. Let's look at the next scenario. Let's say it's 30%, okay? Now we're still gonna keep that your goal is to get two offers. So same thing, 50%, okay? So four final round, but in this case, you need 15 uh, first round interviews in order to get that four and two because of your 30% success ratio. How many informational interviews? 50. How many people do you need to email? About 170 people. Still a lot. But do you see folks? Some of you are kidding yourself. You're like coming to Vinny and, and Moises, you know, and, and, and saying like, oh my gosh, you know, like I'm doing everything you guys are teaching, these speakers and I'm getting results. And like, if I was one of them, I'm like, all right, dude, like let's lay out. What have you done? And you know what? You come to your own conclusion like, okay, let me go back and reach out to more people. Now, here's the thing, okay? Because it seems daunting to reach out to 500 or 170 people, but let's break it down on a monthly basis, okay? Let's say I'm going to give you weekends off. So you're only going to job search Monday through Friday. That means you need to reach out to 25 people, assuming a 20%, or if you have a 30% ratio, just under nine people a day. That's not a lot. Folks, one of the things that you and I have after almost 20, 25, 30 plus years of working in, 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 the, in, 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 in being in the workforce is our network. Okay. We have a lot of people. Leave that excuse 
to, the, to my daughter who's 23 years old and this is his first year out of college working, okay? Final takeaway, I'm gonna leave you with this, okay? Folks, I love being a minority. I love doing the opposite. I observe the masses and I do the opposite. I see people submit a bunch of resumes and instead I submit value proposition proposals. I see people spend two hours on Facebook posting pictures of their kids drive-by graduation, drive-by birthday party, and I spend time building my network and giving value-added tips on LinkedIn. And as a result, I, I get the results that the 2% get. See, the 2% the have a purpose. Every day is TGIF. They act despite fear. They're givers, not takers. The 98% of, of job seekers, they're in their comfort zone. Procrastinating, status quo, fear, scarcity mentality. Folks, be part of the 2%. All right. Drop it, you guys, on the chat, okay? The good, the bad, and the ugly. If you guys love this webinar, let me know. If you guys hated it, you know, if you want me to shut up and like log off right away, tell me that too, okay? Any feedback helps, all right? It definitely does, so let me know uh, here. Um, last thing, and then I'll definitely open up to questions. Listen, down the road, if you guys ever need some, some, you know, at a company or whatever, I do the seminars, keynotes, and workshops as well. So just, you know, like I said, keep me in mind. But um, let me see. Yeah. Here's my contact information. There's my phone number. You can even text me on that number. If you want to follow me on Instagram, fine. If you want to email me, fine. If you're like a super introvert like me and you first just want to check me out on, the, on our website, there's the website. Or like I said, you can connect uh, on, uh, with me on, on LinkedIn as well. So I don't know if it's Vinny or Moises. I'll turn it over or whoever it is for any questions. It's me. Thank you, Oscar. Super awesome. I'm sure you'll see it on chat as well. Uh, if Laura would like to make a comment, I welcome her too. Um, if not, we're um, re getting ready for questions. Um, so I'll start with uh, Robert and then Greg and then Ernest. That's the list we have right now for questions and then I'll keep adding as they come up. Robert, you want to go first? Yes. Uh, hi, uh, this is Robert. Uh, I'm in San Mateo. And, you know, in the beginning of the of your presentation, you mentioned about, uh, you know, being the older workforce, you know, any, anybody older than 40, I guess, uh, is your cutoff as being an older uh, working person. Um, given that, you know, people at a certain age have built experience, do you advise these you know older workers um, maybe now is a good time to start you know being entrepreneur and starting your you know like you said a consulting business or inventing a new widget a product you know why go back to being an employee when you can you know manage a business that you run and you don't have to do all that work because you're the owner or you're the manager and something like that. And then I have a second question regarding to um, some people, the job search process is very easy because recruiters are, or companies are going after them, I guess, and they don't have to spend all that work sending resumes and stuff like that. If they're looking for a career change, they just have to say, yes, I'm willing to speak with this company or this recruiter that's looking to hire me. So you could talk a little bit about that scenario too. But yeah. 
No, definitely. So first of all, uh, your first question, uh, is this a good time or would I encourage uh, people to start their own business? You know, really, there really is a, a, actually, a, I believe a, a, a personal decision. Anytime is, is, is good to start a business. I mean, I've seen people start their business when the economy was phenomenal. And then um, I've also seen people now uh, start their own, own business. Um, for me personally, when I started my own business, I just, I just kind of got, I, 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 it was at a point where I just became more self-aware and I realized that I actually, I don't like bureaucracy. I like identifying a need and just pouring my heart and soul in addressing that need. And I'm also not afraid to fail. Um, I love helping people. Like, you know, I don't, I don't like it. And, and there's nothing wrong with this. I'm not criticizing. But like, if I was working for a company, a company might say, well, Oscar, you know, like, why are you doing this talk for free for ProMatch? You know, you've already done X number of free. And it's like, no one can tell me what to do. I can do as many and to talk, speak to whomever it is. So, you know, again, it's a person, I think it's a personal decision. Anytime is a good time to start uh, a business. Number two, in terms of uh, your other question uh, about, uh, you know, recruiters and attracting. Um, folks, I'm going to tell you something, okay, is recruiters don't contact me. And, and I remember maybe about three, three and a half years ago, uh, again, the economy was super hot, right? And I would do some of these talks and some, especially the engineers were like, oh, you know, this week, uh, you know, I had five to seven recruiters reach out to me. And I, at first I was kind of like, is there something wrong with me? How come recruiters aren't contacting me? And then all of a sudden I realized, wait a minute, Oscar, you are talking to the decision makers. You're talking to the executive team. And all of a sudden I realized like, why am I going to talk to a middle person? when I can talk to the decision maker. So I think like I told you, uh, said earlier, I think we give way too much credit to recruiters. No, I just put out, I know how to build relationships. I know how to create my brand. I, I am active in sharing my experience. And as a result, that helps me attract opportunities. I'm not here to attract recruiters. Great, thank you. I know we have about six more minutes and we have obviously as expected a whole bunch of questions. I'll have Greg uh, go next. Greg, if you can uh, keep it quick. I know you have a couple of questions in there. Go ahead. You mean I wouldn't keep it quick? That's impossible. <laughs> hey, Oscar, good to see you, my friend. Thank you for all that you give and uh, great thing to reconnect with you. I know we met at C6 a while back. Yes. Okay, I'm trying to take you out of your comfort zone. Tell, tell us three new things that you've changed or adapted in your business the last three months. <laughs> yeah, three, three things. Well, one, definitely doing virtual trainings. I, I already knew that, you know, we're going to start doing, but yeah, it, it has definitely been a huge change. Um, obviously, you can tell that I'm very animated. And the first few times I felt like a wild beast caged in because I could only move like 12 inches to my left, 12 inches to my right. So that's one thing. Um, the, other, the other thing too that um, is actually learning some new technology uh, in terms of delivering uh, the content. And then lastly, the third uh, thing as well is even more patience because I mean, Yes, there's still some companies that are doing training and, and so forth, but patience is something that I've um, uh, had to learn uh, even more so uh, during the, the pandemic. And 
things have started to turn around over the last maybe five, six weeks uh, for me with getting some paid training opportunities. But uh, that's the, the third thing, patience. I got more, but I'll yield the floor. Go for it, next person. Thank you, Greg. Um, uh, Ernest, do you wanna go next? There you go. Oh yeah, here we go. Can you hear me now? Yes, loud and clear. Oh yeah, Oscar, uh, you're, not, you're not an introvert. <laughs> not no. anymore, right? <laughs> no way. Um, uh, Oscar, you and I have something very in common. You didn't speak English when you were when you're young, right? Right, 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 right. I did it. Get a load of this. My mom spoke to me in Spanish. My dad spoke to me in Greek. My mom, grandmother spoke to me in, in a dialect of Mexican. But remember, she was Aztec. Oh, my God. Now, I go to school back east. The nuns speak English and French. Guess what? <laughs> I had no homework for six weeks. <laughs> I, fl I flunked the, the first grade IQ test associating a word with a, 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 an object yeah. until my mom gave it to me in Spanish and I passed it. <laughs> so we had a problem. They spoke English. I spoke Spanish and Greek. I didn't understand anything for six months. Oh, my gosh. So you and I have a very similar background. I even tell friends now that English was never my first language. So when I make mistakes, it's because I learned, on top of that, I, I speak German. Wow, oh my gosh. I speak that because I had to get certified in chemistry. But anyway, uh, thank you for a very good presentation. You're welcome. How do we build this value prep, uh, proposition proposal? Do we do it for each company or do it in general, like what we bring to the table for a company? So, so great question. Uh, if you email me, I can send you uh, an outline. Uh, of, uh, of, a, of a template um, that, I, that, I, that I use, but uh, it, the value proposition uh, proposal does need to be tailored to the opportunity to the company. Okay. okay. Very similar to the way you, you're supposed to customize a resume to um, okay. the, the, the opportunity. Yes, uh, you definitely do. Don't worry. I, I hit you up on LinkedIn on an e email at the same time as you were talking. So you've okay. got my, my incoming. Um, the other thing too, um, oh, let me see here. I wrote, wrote down a note here. Hold on. Um, I think we might have it. Uh, okay. Um, nope. here. Let somebody else go ahead and talk. Go ahead. That's all right. Uh, you did ask about inf informational interviews. Was that your next question? Yes. Okay. If you want to make it real quick and then we'll move on. We have a couple of more people waiting. Okay. Informational interviews. How do we go about getting them? I've asked them for, from a lot of my contacts and stuff, but I've gotten z zero response. What, what and how do you ask? Do you say, "Hey, uh, are you open for an inter informational interview?" Or what? What is it? What? Uh, what I, I asked. I asked them if, if they know of anybody that can give me an informational interview right now, um, and um, I'd be open to any anybody. And I get nothing coming back. Yeah. Okay, so definitely change your approach. Uh, first of all, uh, by the way, let me pause for a second. You guys. I have some time. We can stick around. I have up until noon. Not to say that we need to stick around till noon, but I but I don't have a hard stop at, at eleven thirty. So thank you. With me and, and those of you, <laughs> if you want to stay longer, that's fine too. Okay. So thank so, you, Oscar. That was one of the things that just came up on chat. So we right. usually go into networking hour right after this meeting from yes. eleven thirty to twelve thirty. And so that was one of the questions that popped up. If if you could stay a little extra. Yeah, so absolutely. Awesome. absolutely. I love thank it. you. 
I love what I love what ProMatch does, you guys. I really do. I really do. I love you guys. Okay, but um, okay. So definitely change your your ask. Don't ask for information. Don't ask like, hey, do you know anyone? You know, no. What what I want you to do is that initial person that you are reaching out to, treat that person like like you know, like gold, you want to be building that relationship first with that person. You need to earn that person's um, trust. You need to build that credibility, take interest in them. And then once you establish, you know, in Spanish, there's a word uh, that we say confianza, trust. Once you have that trust, that rapport, then you can go ahead and do the ask. Now, okay. the thing is, is that two folks is, and I tell you from personal experience, okay, um, I don't, I, I don't extend it, you know, like weeks or whatever. I mean, in some cases it doesn't go anywhere, right? With, with some, but most of the time, like we'll message back and forth on, on LinkedIn and, um, and then uh, I can kind of tell like, oh, you know, I can, you know, now I can ask a certain question about your job situation or this or, or that. And at that point, the person has, uh, has opened up. The other thing too, you have to remember is, is that your LinkedIn profile, how complete, how you come across also influences people's impression of you. So okay. if you have a LinkedIn profile, no picture, or it's just, you know, outdated, you have it, that's the first impression that people are going to get. And so, and so it's going to take you a little longer to get people to open up, but don't approach just right off the bat to say, Hey, you know, do you know anyone for an informational interview? Okay. It's like someone approaching me and saying, Oscar, would you want to be my mentor? Like, I love helping people, but just hearing that word mentor to me, it like, it means a time commitment that I don't have. Thank you. Sure. Thank you for listening to Career Talk with OG. Be sure to rate us and let us know what content you want to see on our next podcast. For more information, visit our website at www.aspidaconsulting.com.